Jesus taught that we should never swear oaths to each other. That's what we're talking about today, and I swear on Jason's hair that it's going to be the best <sighs> podcast you've ever heard, or my name isn't Douglas Jones the first. <laughs> Just kidding. Stick around. Uh, it's another episode of Doable Discipleship. Uh, just a lovely summer day here at Saddleback Church Lake Forest. My name is Doug Jones. And I'm Jason Whelan. It's been quite a while since we've done our actual, like, intro for the show. The, you know, the Has sh- it really? We didn't do it last week. Oh, well, let me, let me remedy that. And we didn't do it two weeks ago. This is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but we like to call it the show that helps you grow. I think in another year's time, I'll be saying that so fast that it'll be inaudible to people. Especially if they're listening on like a double speed. Yeah. Just like... I wonder how many people out there do that. Comment or send us an email at maturityatsaddleback.com if you listen on double speed because we're too dull for you. You have to double it up. I will say I listen on time and a half, but not because of dullness. Just because of Just the fact to... that you have a four minute drive to work. Well, that, and because I just, it helps me get through this stuff, and I've just grown accustomed to listening that quickly. Um, Another thing that we would strongly ask you to do is give Doable a rating or review on iTunes. If you're a podcaster, if you are listening to this as you're on a podcast right now, go and and give a rating or review. It really does help, and we uh, really, really do appreciate it. We certainly do. Uh, Also, if you're listening on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button. Uh, if you don't already subscribe to Saddleback Church's YouTube channel, if you just kind of stumbled onto this video or it was it was suggested to you on the sidebar. Hello. Uh, yeah, hello, welcome. Please subscribe to the channel. We release new stuff all the time, a new episode of Doable every single Tuesday. So, uh, you know, make us a part of your feed. Also, if you're listening on YouTube, uh, I want you to comment below with your thoughts on a question. We're going to be talking about truth today, and I'm curious how it, how you would respond to this question. Is it ever okay to tell a lie? Just comment below. You guys can can comment back and forth to one another and share your thoughts. Don't just say whether yes or no you think it's okay on certain occasions to tell a lie, but kind of explain why. Maybe give an example. We'd love to hear what you have to say on that. We're talking about truth today. In fact, <clears throat> you probably noticed in our title, we're talking about uh, not just truth, but also about not taking oaths that Jesus commanded us to live by the truth and to not take oaths. We're going to talk about uh, exactly what that looks like, but this is going to be based on a passage from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, and this is during the early portion of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. So we'll read this passage. Uh, He's teaching to a group of his disciples, but also a lot of other people who've just kind of collected to listen to him. The Sermon on the Mount was taught to a large number of people. Some of them were close to him. Some were basically strangers who had kind of heard about him and kind of come out of the woodwork and followed him out to to hear his teaching. Here's what he says, Matthew 5, 33. Again, you've heard it... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm using the NIV. I'm used to reading this in the NLT. <laughs> Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. We'll unpack that more in just a few minutes, but but I think we should start by 
talking about truth. Yeah, it's great to have that passage just as the framework. And as we said a minute ago, we are talking about truth. And truth is is a central theme in all of Scripture, in the whole Bible. But it really comes into its own in the New Testament with the arrival of Jesus, because he called people to live according to truth. He even goes as far as to say, I am the truth in John 14, and he says the truth will set you free in John 8. And the, there are two... Now, there are two things that keep us from living lives built on truth. If we are called called to live a life built on truth, there are two little things that can keep us from that. Uh, Either we do not know the truth, which we could just call ignorance, or we prevent the truth from being known, which we could refer to as deception. Yeah, and and that's that second— that second thing it can be very broad. Sometimes we yeah. sometimes we suppress the truth about ourselves to other people. Sometimes we pres- we we suppress the truth about uh, circumstances to get our way, or we in- intentionally sway the truth, or, yeah. or you know, or tweak take it. A little, or, uh, yeah, yeah, we take little liberties. Yeah, so sometimes we just don't know the truth, and if we don't know the truth, it's hard to build our lives on the truth. Uh, but also we. <laughs> my computer's still making noise. Ding. Turning that down. <laughs> um, but more often than not. Um, we we bend or or break or mar the truth for our own benefit. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what truth is. <clears throat> this uh this is going to be kind of common sense stuff, but I think it's worth worth talking about. Truth is, in a nutshell, that which is in accordance with fact or reality. That's according to dictionary.com. Um, it's a very common sense definition, and it's also a pretty good biblical definition too. Actually, anything that accurately corresponds to reality or fact is true. If someone were asked if someone were to ask you what is truth, you'd probably just say something that is true. <laughs> I mean, it almost seems self-evident. It's one of those words that you almost can't help but but define with itself just because it's just seems so um it's it doesn't take a whole lot to grasp it. It's such a simple straightforward concept to us. Seems self-evident. And yet we humans have developed really really creative and sneaky ways to avoid the truth. Well, yeah. we've also taken truth and made it a little lighter than it really is, because what we like to do now is to say that truth is relative, right? Right. And so you could say, well, I believe it to be true, therefore it is true. But really, that's not a real definition of truth, if if what you believe is not really true. Yeah. Does that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Eloquently said. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're kind of hinting at this. Uh, my truth, you know, personal truth movement that we see, which implies that something can be true for me, but not true for other people. But if we define truth in the common sense way that people throughout history have defined truth, we we define it as that which is in accord with fact or reality. And you cannot, <clears throat> you can't have two mutually exclusive states be true at the same time. Yeah. Um, so uh, what you're really saying when you talk about your truth or my truth, what I'm really talking about is what my feelings dictate. Yeah. We're not really talking about what is actually true, uh, objectively according to reality, only what is going on inside my subjective states. Now, uh, moving on. When someone deviates the truth, denying it, misrepresenting it, minimizing it, distracting from it, all sorts of different ways to deviate from the truth, he or she has entered into the dark and terrible world of lies, where instead of living by truth, we're living according to lies. Some lies seem really, really big, like, uh, you know, a, a, a hidden affair, you know, 
or um, I don't know, tax evasion. What are some other big lies? Big lies that'll get you in a lot of trouble. Um, big lies that'll get you. Uh, perjury. That's a big one. There yeah. You go. Plagiarism is a yeah, lie. That's a good one. I think one good thing. I think one thing we're, uh, I hope to do today is broaden your scope of what counts as a lie in your mind. Because a lot of things we kind of give ourselves permission on, and we don't we because we have other names for specific kinds of lies. We sometimes miss the fact that they are indeed lies. It's true. Um, there's even a show right now called Big Little Lies. That's true. Uh, so some lies seem really big, and, and it's, it's obvious to us that those are destructive and harmful lies. <clears throat> then there are other lies that seem really insignificant, like you know, lying about your age or exaggerating on a resume, you know, so simple things like that, like, you know, the wording on a resume. <laughs> I, I haven't called out the fact that you like to say that you speak fluent French on your resume, but it really... What do you mean? Bonjour, man. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> that's uh, that French great. with like a that Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, bro. Uh, yeah, you know, saying, <laughs> for example, saying I'm right around the corner. Nobody who's ever said, I'm right around the corner, has ever actually been right around the corner. Mm-hmm. If you text somebody and say, hey, I'll be there in a second, I'm right around the corner, you're lying. No, the Nobody only, ever is. The only person I would believe who would say that is Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers would not lie about being <laughs> right around the corner. I, I have a really a really good friend. We used to be roommates, and he always, uh, he's one of those guys who just kind of like, he's probably different now. He's, he's a successful professional, so don't, don't, you know, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to bust his chops or anything, but we always used to laugh because he would always say, <clears throat> I'm five minutes away, no matter how far away he was. Yeah. He, he used to live in Whittier, and he'd be like leaving to head over to us in Bellflower, which for those of you who aren't SoCal locals, that's like a, a 20 to 25 minute drive with no traffic. <laughs> he'd be like, five, just left my mom's house five minutes away. away. Like, you ain't five minutes yeah, away, you sure. liar. <laughs> anyway. Time um, stands still. <laughs> I, you know, the, the Jim Gaffigan has a new stand up special that I was cracking. I watched the other day. I like Jim Gaffigan. I don't think he's the funniest comic, but at least he's not raunchy. And that's why I can appreciate his work. You know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. Yeah. He was, he cracked me up though because he was talking about like uh, the way parents lie to their kids even. And he made a joke. He's like, He's like, no, you wouldn't like this ice cream. It's too spicy. <laughs> like, how many parents have used spiciness as a way to get out of sharing their yeah, food with their kids? It's too hot. Yeah, it's too hot. yeah. Oh, it's too hot. It'll burn your, it'll burn your mouth. Anyway, so there's big lies, there's small lies, or at least there's lies that we call big and lies that we call small. But lies of any size bring something truly, truly ugly and terrible into the world. And 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 that's, uh, I think, a something we want to emphasize today is that lies, whether seemingly large or seemingly small. Um, create real dissonance and disharmony and create real problems in the human soul and the way we relate to each other and the way we relate to God. Yeah. So besides just being ugly, what is a lie exactly? Uh, now you're probably thinking, <laughs> okay, I, I know what a lie is. Uh, don't hit that skip button because yes, a five-year-old could tell you what a, what a lie is, but let's get beneath this kindergarten type of definition and discover why lies are so harmful and so repulsive to God. Okay, a lie is a maneuver that we use to manipulate others and illegitimately distort creation in our favor. 
Let me read that again, because it may sound a little heady and it may sound a little harsh, but it's true. This is proof that we're beyond the the We are beyond the, the pale definition. of the kindergarten. You, <laughs> you told me I would. No, yeah. We're getting... Okay. A lie is a maneuver that we use to manipulate others and illegitimately distort creation in our favor. So think, for example, about the very first lie that's recorded in the Bible. That's the serpent in Genesis 3. The fall of the human race and the awful chaos that came with it was brought about not by brute force, but by a lie. The single most devastating thing in the history of the earth was not a plague, was not a bomb, was not a natural disaster. It wasn't even the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> it was got him. Got him. That was a close second. It was, yeah, that was a, a hearty laugh for me. Lie. Yeah. <laughs> go back, honestly, go back and read. <clears throat> Genesis 3, for the full story. The bottom line, though, is that the serpent used a carefully crafted lie to do three different things. One, to invalidate God's warning about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two, misrepresent God's motives in prohibiting them from eating the fruit. And then the third thing, to exaggerate the benefits of of eating the fruit. So in this one lie, he invalidated God's warning, he misrepresented God's motives, and he exaggerated the benefits of eating the fruit. Yeah, we, we talk about this uh, in some detail back in the, the Day We Broke the World episode. So uh, we'll link that in the show notes, you can check that one out. But but yeah, these three things, uh, Satan, the serpent, who we're, we're pretty confident the serpent is Satan, if you're wondering, um, he does these he 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 tells this lie honestly exquisitely it is such a powerful lie that he concocts and so he invalidates god's warning by saying you won't die god said you'll die if you do the treat no you won't die he flat out refutes what god said he misrepresents god's motive saying god knows that you'll become like him if you eat the fruit god doesn't want anyone to be as great as him um so he makes it as though god wants something for himself or wants to keep something for himself and not share it with the humans and he exaggerates the benefits telling them that they'll become like God if they eat of the tree. So lies, this particular lie was extremely, extremely crafty and extremely destructive. And you might say, well, uh, you know, that definitely was a really nasty and harmful lie, but the lies that I tell aren't so bad. You can't equate my lies with Satan's lies. Right, yeah, lying on my timesheet is not anywhere near the same (laughs) as bringing down the human species or anything like that. Well... (laughs) Uh, don't be so sure about that. If you think that your lies, just because they're smaller or they don't result in so much devastation, that they're somehow not a big deal, uh, don't buy that for one second. In the Bible, God consistently responds strongly against lies. And if you don't believe me, go and read the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. That story will knock your socks off. This couple conspired and told what most of us would consider a relatively minor lie. Um, but God responds to it decisively with with swift and honestly dramatic action to send a message loud and clear. And and the message that he sent was that there is no place for deception in the kingdom of heaven. And just just as, uh, go and read that story to get the full detail, but I'll just recap it for you real quick because I feel like we're hinting at this story so hard, I should just probably tell you what happened. <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira are part of the early church. Uh, they're... they're uh, acquainted with Peter, and they sell a piece of property. And then they come to Peter, 
actually Ananias comes by himself initially to Peter. And they basically talked to each other, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, in advance. They said, hey, we sold this property for this much. We're going to donate a portion of that of that profit to the church, um, but we're going to keep some for ourselves. But we're going to tell Peter that we're giving them the full amount. So you get it? They're basically saying, hey, look, we sold this property, and because we love God and we love the church so much, we're going to give all this money to the church. Um, it makes us look really good. It's going to make us look so pious. It's going to make us look like such spiritual hotshots that we're so generous. But we're going to save a little bit for ourselves um, because we want to. So Ananias shows up, <clears throat> meets with Peter, and says, you know, basically just what I've said. They said, hey, we've sold this property, and and this is all the profit. Peter says, Peter instantly, by the Holy Spirit, knows that they're lying. And he asks Ananias, he's like, why have you done this? Why would you lie about whether you were giving the full amount of your property or not? And what he says is very common sense. He says, look, you sold that property. The property was yours. The profits from that property was yours. If you wanted to keep all the profits for yourself, it would have been fine for you to do that. If you wanted to give some to the church and keep some, that would have been fine too. If you wanted to give it all to the church, that would have been great also. But why did you lie about it? Why did you give some and hold some back and say you were giving all of it? And as soon as Peter finished saying those words, Ananias dropped dead on the floor. And the Bible tells us that men came and carried him out, and, and he was buried. And said so a little while later, Sapphira, his wife, came and kind of did the same thing. Peter put her on blast as well and said, why, why did you guys conspire to lie to the Holy Spirit? He, he accused them of trying to deceive the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, cannot be done. <laughs> I did that secret style with my hand <laughs> I saw in that. my mouth as if Good that accentuated <laughs> Yeah, you can't deceive the Holy Spirit. You can't deceive God, which is a, a theme we should probably come back to in a few minutes. Anyway, Peter talks to her. Bam, she drops dead. And and God is sending an extremely powerful message. Like I said earlier, there's no place for deception in the kingdom of heaven. And the message was so swift and so strong that according to the text in Acts chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone who heard what had happened. Now, when we read the New Testament, we often think like, well, the New Testament is where we see like the softer side of God, you know, like, and, and that's true. God is love, and we see that throughout the scriptures, not just the New Testament. Um, but we have, to, we have to remember that the God of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament, that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that God responds forcefully against lies, especially within his own kingdom. Now, people outside the family of God may lie, but within the family of God, lies are forbidden because they damage the the unity of the church. Now, among the people of earth, and we all we all know this to be true, this is eminently true, anyone who's lived a few years on the face of this earth, that um, among we fallen people, lies are standard operating procedure. They're so common that we expect to find them almost everywhere. We expect for people to lie to us in advertising. We expect for people to lie to us in relationships. We expect to be lied to in, in a sales situation. We just expect lies to be ubiquitous, just everywhere. Everywhere we go, lies. In the kingdom of God, though, the kingdom that Jesus brought to earth, truth is the standard. Truth is, the fundam is a, a, a fundamental aspect of the culture of the kingdom of God. And because it's the standard, Jesus tells his disciples that there's no need to use oaths or sometimes called vows in other translations when making a promise. That when we say we're going to do something, that there's no reason to dress that up and make a formal vow out of it. Yeah, the truth should be just your very nature. Right. So in that Mark, or yeah, or in that uh, Matthew 5, sorry, in that Matthew 5 passage that Doug read earlier, 
Um, Which we'll read again in just a second to refresh you. Yeah, we talk a little bit about oaths. Jesus talks a little bit about oaths. So what kind of oath is exactly is, is Jesus talking about here? Well, an oath or a vow is a way of strengthening a promise by invoking something important as a witness and a force for accountability, such as saying like, you know, I swear this, or with God as my witness, this. Yeah. I, I, did, you, did you ever, like, you and your friends <clears throat> swear a lot of, like, silly oaths on the schoolyard back in the day? I don't remember doing so, but it's it's quite possible. It came up, I, I just remember a lot of silly ones. Like, I remember friends who were like, man, I swear on my, you name it. Like, I swear on my mother's grave that I would never do yeah, that yeah. or that swear I'll do this. Swear on my big toe. <laughs> and they're just, like, swearing on something all the time. I remember. As the day is long, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I swear on a stack of Bibles. <laughs> like, why a stack Whoa. of Bibles? <laughs> Extra holy. <laughs> yeah, like, is that just some kind of upgrade? But well, it is, it's common. It's common it in is. language. And I think if we examine the way we talk uh, to each other, we would, actually, we would actually notice that we say more vows. We yeah. make more vows than we realize. Totally. And an oath is, is a practice that has become common because people don't trust each other. We use oaths all the time, sometimes casually and sometimes formally, in order to convince each other. It's like we really have to convince the other person, I, I really mean it this time. Mm-hmm. Even though you know I lie, and I know you lie, and everyone else lies, and, and, and we all know it, I want you to know that you can really count on me to keep this one promise. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's literally, it's, it's, it's this weird sort of recognition of human nature of saying, yeah, like, if I hadn't said this, I could have gotten away with being yeah. a little sketchy, but I said this. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe I'll still be sketchy. Yeah, anyway. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when we take an oath, we usually call upon something powerful as if to say, I am so serious about this. I am willing to put myself in jeopardy if I fail to follow through. Like, may God deal with me, be it ever so harshly if I do not. Or That's the one you see a lot in the Old Testament. You see that a lot in the Old Testament. Or... Do you even see, may God strike me or even kill me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am <laughs> smote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the Old Testament, it emphasizes that if you take an oath, you must keep it. In Jesus' teaching, he challenged his listeners in two additional ways. Yeah, just like in so many things, God, uh, Jesus would take what was given in the law of Moses and dial it up a few notches in the New Testament. That's why, like, people who think that that somehow things get easier on people after the New Testament are wrong, because <laughs> Jesus takes almost all the commands of the Law of Moses and dials yeah. them up to eleven. Anyway, <laughs> this I wanna... one goes to eleven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why not just stop it at ten? Well, but this one goes to <laughs> listen to that sustain. <laughs> all right. On one occasion, Jesus told the Pharisees that whenever they swore any kind of oath, that they were ultimately swearing to God. Apparently, in Jesus' day, it was common for people to swear by all sorts of sacred things and then break their promises later by devaluing the thing that they had sworn by. (laughs) Basically saying, yeah, it's so silly. Basically saying, the thing that I swore by isn't really that important anyway, so breaking my promise really isn't that big of a deal. It's, it's almost like an it's almost like an ancient form of like having your fingers crossed behind your oh, back like really oh mean, guess what I had my fingers crossed <laughs> so I don't have to do that Loophole. this is what Jesus says on this topic and this is in Matthew chapter 23 verses 16 through 22 so th- this is we're, we're looking today at the two big passages where Jesus talks about oath making and this is one of them we'll come back to the first one in just a few minutes Jesus says and and by the way in this one he's talking to a group of Pharisees religious teachers these are the religious elites. 
And even they were guilty of this practice, and Jesus put them on blast for it. He says, Woe to you, blind guides. You say, If anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, If anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. I love the way Jesus... uh, just drives that oh, home yeah. in the end. Anyway, oh, yeah. take it away. Yeah, so Jesus' critique of them is that they take oaths and then break them by moving the goalposts, and that they don't fear God as the sovereign owner of everything that they swear by. You saw it in that in that passage. Yeah. It, Jesus wants us to know that that we are accountable to God for the promises we make. Even if we swear by everything but God, he will still call us to account. Jesus is, just to break in there, Jesus' yeah. logic here is very clear, that he's, he's, he's making it clear that because God made everything, there's nothing you can swear by yeah. that doesn't ultimately roll up to God. Yeah. There's a direct line from everything you can swear by that goes straight up to God and his authority. So you, you and you can see this in the Psalms. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If I swear by the earth, well, it says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Well, yep. that should be all covering. So but no, if I swear by the, by the heavens, well, Psalm 89 says, the heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. Well, then maybe I'll say, no, well, what if I just swear by my own life? That's my life. Well, Psalm 100 says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You literally can't hide. (laughs) You literally, there's nothing to call to. (laughs) Swear to the left, swear to the right. It doesn't make any difference. You're ultimately swearing on something that belongs to God, and you're going to be accountable to him for it. And then to top it all off, <clears throat> if if this isn't absurd enough, this idea of swearing on things, to to kind of like put the icing on top, God already knows whether or not we're going to keep our word. <laughs> so it makes absolutely yeah. no sense to hype up a promise when the arbiter already knows what the outcome is <laughs> going to be. But the arbiter is the one who has the final decision making or the final authority in the situation. It's- it's like, it's like when you make that bargain with God saying, Lord, if you do this, I swear I will go to church yeah. every week. God's he's, like, he's like, no, you won't. Mm, <laughs> no, you won't. I've, I, I know the future. Yeah. Let's talk about this. <laughs> the future is unfolded to me like a, stro- like a scroll, and you're saying this. You're going to last two weeks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for playing. Yeah, like God already knows the outcome, so, so making, some, making this big hoopla is, is completely—honestly, it, it's totally absurd when you think about it. Anyway, so this brings us to Jesus' command to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, which we read uh, which we read at the beginning. We'll read it again now. I'll just, I'll just read it again kind of more quickly to recap what we said at the beginning when we set things up. Now, this, this is Jesus talking to his disciples and to a bunch of followers who have come to hear him, where the last passage that we read was spoken to the Pharisees. Um, that's why the last one is written with a much more harsh tone. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says things like, you blind fools, blind guides, blind men, that kind of stuff. Now he's speaking to people who are really uh, looking to understand him and, and follow him. <clears throat> Matthew 5, 33 through 37. 
Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you've made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black or white. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. By the way, Jesus is showing us that logic again here. He's saying, don't, don't swear by the earth, because that's God's footstool. Don't swear by the heavens, because it's God's throne. Don't swear by the, the temple, because that's his too. It's his dwelling place. So Jesus is using that same logic that nothing on earth that you can swear by uh, will absolve you from accountability to God. Yeah. And, and what this all comes back to, it, 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 it comes back to this theme, and we've talked about it a lot on this show, and we hit it um, extra heavy last week, and it's going to be a part of a, a big theme of the next few weeks as well, is that Jesus is teaching his listeners what it means to live in the kingdom. And in the kingdom of heaven, truth is all there is. He He's essentially, he is establishing truth as a baseline for kingdom living. He is saying this should be the norm. This is the norm. In the family of God, men and women live not in the darkness of lies, but in the light of truth. It's literally, in the kingdom of heaven, there is is only truth. A lie is not even something you consider or think of. It is living truthfully. So when it comes to making elaborate and convincing oaths, well, why should a person who lives by truth feel the need to strengthen what everyone already assumes? There is this assumption, there is this general knowledge that what you say is truthful, that you are approaching things with truth. Therefore, you need not try to elaborate on it or to make it seem any different. Yeah, truth is built, baked into the culture of kingdom Truth life. is literally the culture. And when honesty <clears throat> is the standard between redeemed people, do I... <laughs> Do I really need to make a theatrical vow to prove to you that I'm definitely not lying this time? <laughs> no, that's nonsensical. <laughs> and if I know that I'm accountable to God for every word I speak, do I really need to invoke him when I make a promise? No, <laughs> yeah. you do not. According to Jesus, that's it's just ridiculous. It, it is. It, it's 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 what Jesus's logic has basically been up to this point is it, whether you invoke God in your in your vow or not, God's going to keep you accountable. <laughs> yeah, it's like bring him up, don't bring him up, make a <laughs> vow, don't make a vow. It doesn't matter. God's going to hold you to to your word. And I, maybe this is something we should do a future episode on too. This idea of speech is so powerful in mm-hmm. the Bible that that there are, you can really boil the Bible down to two basic ideas: that God acts and that God speaks. And that that notion of speech is so central in the word of god and just as god's word god's spoken word has power and brings things into material ex- material existence in the world our speech does something very similar our speech not only discloses what's going on inside our inner life that people can't see unless we disclose it yeah. but it also takes our inner life and makes it real in a it sense brings like, it out in the world yeah, yeah yeah like i can literally take the 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 inner life inside my heart, inside my soul, and inside my mind that you can't see, and I can turn it into vibrations in the air that you can hear and decipher and understand. You know, it's yeah. our way of disclosing. So it's it's such a powerful concept, and, and God's, God makes it clear that spoken word should not be taken lightly. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and by the way, did you, 
uh, I wonder if listeners, if you noticed how Jesus made a joke in verse 36, uh, when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, he wasn't joking around. He was speaking sternly, but Jesus is clearly having a pretty lighthearted discussion as he teaches this sermon. And that, that joke in verse 36 uh, is, and don't swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black or white. That would have been a laugh line in Jesus's day. Jesus is saying, like, you can't even make one single hair on your head change colors. So why would you make some grandiose promise in your vow? <laughs> you know, yeah. swear on your head. Which, of course, by now, you know, modern people are like, I can make my hair pink if I want. <laughs> I do whatever you know? I want. Don't miss the point. Yes, you can dye your hair now. But in Jesus's <laughs> day, Jesus was making a very uh, funny and 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 strong point. Yes. Uh, so you heard how kind of nonsensical this this idea is of 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 making these vows of of why do we need to do this if we just live truthfully and honestly then then that stuff is not necessary. But in, in honestly according to Jesus it's more than just silly cuz giving more than a simple answer is from the evil one. Right? So Yeah, those are his exact words. Those are exact words. Why? Because because given the context of Jesus' sermon, many people used oaths to convince people of their honesty, even when they planned to break their promise all along. So oaths just became a tool, a tool to manipulate others into trusting you so that you could take advantage of them. It's even just, it's more devious. It's literally it just is, saying, yeah. I'm going to make, I'm going to make, I'm going to convince them that I'm honest and truthful, but I know that I'm not. Oh, it's That's so just dirty so when underhanded. You think about it. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that when someone is trying to hide a lie, they often double down and they swear even more insistent that they are being honest? No, no, no. Really, truly, truly. Yeah, I'm they, serious. Yeah, they yeah. start swearing, and I would sure. never. Yeah. They often pull out all the stops just to convince you that they are telling the truth. They say, so I swear I would never do that. Yeah. You know, and I, or honestly, they, or they use honestly, take me to court. I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Jesus, and, yeah. Go ahead. So, so, yeah. Jesus says, don't, don't, don't get into that world of, of deception. And I think you used a good word that, that deviousness of using vows. Because vows themselves don't secure the truth. They just are tools to convince others and give others peace of mind. So he's like, don't weaponize your word by over-strengthening everything that you say to try to convince others. And by the way, if you're the kind of person who does that a lot, pretty soon people aren't going to believe a word you say. Yeah. <laughs> because if you, use your, if you use your absolute strongest language to get people to believe you and then you don't follow through, you've just shown that your word is worth nothing. And it's very hard to wind that back once you've lost that Just look trust. at the boy who cried wolf. Yep. Right there. Shouldn't have done it. <laughs> Good luck with that wolf. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Jesus just tells, tells people to respond with a simple answer. Yes or no. So if someone says, hey, will you do this? Just say yes or say no, you won't. Don't hem and haw about it. Don't make a big, don't, don't bring on all the theatrics. Just give a simple answer. Now, <clears throat> there's a question that, that I think we have to consider, because uh, if you know your Bible well, um, and if you just are a human being who lives life, uh, you might have the question, is it ever okay to make an oath or a vow? Uh, because that's kind of a, that's kind of part of, part of uh, life on earth, right? I mean, when we, when we, for example, get married, we take vows. You and I went to a wedding just this weekend. Yes, we did. Our Shout Vicky. out to Vicky. Vicky, Jeff, congratulations. All the best. May God bless your journey. Um, but a wedding is a perfect example. We have formal vows that are spoken at a wedding, usually led by an officiant, done before witnesses, and then actually there's a 
there's a legal contract yeah, that's signed, literally. a marriage agreement. So, you know, vows kind of crop up in those situations. Uh, you know, when you take out a mortgage on a house and buy a place, you are taking a lot of vows on that one. Remember the stack of paperwork you had to sign? Oh, yes. Oh, you sit yes, down with a notary and you're just like <laughs> signing and signing and signing. I was like, here, this is here. the best here, here, practice here. I've ever had on my signature. And initial here, initial <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. It's like gajillions, like you have carpal tunnel at the end of that. Um, <laughs> court proceedings are another great example. You know, hand on a Bible. Swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, to, nothing but your truth, the health of God. Absolutely. That's a that's a prime example. <clears throat> and there's lots of other ways that, that that kind of stuff happens. And these kinds of things, I think we, if we're taking the holistic view of the scriptures and even thinking about Jesus's words, these kinds of things aren't inherently evil. Um, they're, they're not bad per se, but they do point to a lack of trust that exists in our fallen world, as we were saying earlier. So I don't think that those vows, honestly, those kinds of vows just aren't uh, avoidable at, at a certain level. You know, if you want to buy a house, you can't sit down with the notary present and basically just look at that stack of documents and say... <laughs> Yes, I will pay my mortgage. And yes, I agree to these terms. <laughs> and then just move on. Like they're going to say, that's great. May God strike me or even kill me if <laughs> yes. I do not. <laughs> May God deal with me, be it ever so harshly if I fail to pay my mortgage. No, that's not going to work for them. They're still going to insist that you get uh, those documents notarized with your signatures <laughs> and theirs. You're not going to get around that one. So that points to the pervasive lack of trust in our world. And, and by the way, it's worth noting that even Jesus sometimes strengthened his word. Um, by adding a little bit of panache to it. You know, he would say things like, truly, truly, I say to you, if he really wanted to emphasize something. But we should note, when we look at those passages in the Bible, you know, in the Gospels, uh, we need to, to kind of take those in context and recognize that when Jesus said those things, he was usually speaking to strangers. Yeah. He was usually speaking to people that didn't know him yet. So they, they didn't know to trust him. They didn't know who he was, really. Um, and so we see that, especially early in Jesus' ministry, he he emphasizes his words uh, a little bit more. And so he obviously didn't think that that was inherently wrong. But in the community of believers, Jesus tended to speak with plain honesty and and simplicity. Yeah. So yeah, you, you're going to have to take vows sometimes. The point is, uh, I think we need to focus here on our interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. Obviously, for legality, pur for purposes of legality, you're going to have to take vows and, and et cetera, sign documents, that kind of thing. But among believers, we just need to speak with honesty. Yeah, which leads us uh, swimmingly into the doable section. Doable time. Yes. Uh, I think we should change the tune to that. Uh, no. A doable time. <laughs> no? Okay. Well, if we're going to do that, we got to do something with some production value, and we'll put a whole... We'll think about it. Uh, okay, so this week, focus on giving simple answers. If someone asks you to do something... Just simply tell them yes or no, and if you do tell them yes, follow through on your promise. Remember that words matter to God. We, we just talked about doing maybe a whole episode on that at some point, mm -hmm. and he does not delight in broken promises. So just be, be thoughtful as you are going into this week. Be thoughtful about your words. Be thoughtful about how you are answering um, things with a yes or with a no. Yeah. To, to do that better, it might actually help to slow down a little bit with your responses. Maybe just don't be so quick to speak. Um, sometimes we break promises because we just respond too hastily. We say yes yeah. when a yes really isn't going to be doable for us or, or whatever. Um, so that's a great one. And then there's another doable for this week, which is a little bit more of a hardball doable. So uh, brace yourself. But 
this this one's about confession. If you've told somebody a lie, whether in the distant past or in the recent past, as recent as just now, <laughs> as you're listening, yeah. If you've told a lie and you haven't confessed to that person, you're doable for this week, and I would say today, is to speak with that person as soon as you possibly can and confess with humility. James 5.16 tells us that if we confess our sins, we will be healed. So you may need to just take a break from what you're doing or on your lunch break today, make a phone call or set up a meeting with, with this person and admit to them that you've told them a lie. And then ask them for forgiveness. Uh, lies are dark and destructive things that will damage your heart a lot more than you realize. You know, going back to the earlier part of our discussion, we feel like there are big lies and there are small lies, but all lies make these, <clears throat> as C.S. Lewis put it, make little marks on the human soul. And that when you tell lies, even small ones, you are warping your own soul. You are doing harm to your own heart, and you are slowly transforming yourself into the kind of person that tells lies. You are allowing yourself to become a liar, and that is a, a terrible thing. When we lie, we are, becoming, we are behaving more like the devil than we are like a son or daughter of God. Now, of course, we live in the kingdom. We live in the realm of forgiveness where, where, where grace reigns, um, but... Forgiveness comes by confession. So honor God this week by being a truth teller and um, make amends where possible if you've lied to someone in the past. Seek their forgiveness. That's not going to be an easy one. For some of you, that might be something pretty big, and then that's going to involve owning up to something that might have real consequences for you or that sort of thing. But I'm encouraging you to do the right thing and to honor God, trust him with those outcomes. All right. Don't make vows, and for heaven's sake, people, don't tell lies. <clears throat> That's yeah. it for today. <laughs> Jason, do you have any closing comments? Um, do we have anything to announce? Do we have anything to announce? No. Okay, that's enough dead air for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Doug Jones. That's Jason Whelan. This yeah. is Doable Discipleship. We love you. We hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Bye.